experienced a first with you today. Oh no, really? Yes. I mean, we've been working together for 14 years. What was first? We successfully crammed a Predu into the back of your car this morning. You didn't know I had wanted to have a Predu in my house? Well, I thought maybe you just wanted to kneel while you were driving. No, now it's in the back seat. So. <laughs> uh, Hi, everybody. It, hello, this is Father Herb. And Michael is the, here with him. And I'm the owner of a new Predu. Not now, a Prius. A Predu. Now, and a Ford pre, Fusion. Predu comes from the French Predu. Thank means you. It's before God. And while you're on your Predu, you drink Le Croix. No, 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 <laughs> no. Well, and it, eat baguettes. It, most of you know a Predu by a, another name. Kneeler. The Kneeler. Right. So we have Kneelers in the in the church in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but we have a couple of other kneelers that were bequeathed to us over the years. One that we used to use in Ron Cowley pretty frequently. Well, there was one, the one that's in your back seat now is the one that was in front of the tabernacle forever in the Parish Life Center. That's correct. And I, uh, so I picked that up, not literally, but I... I picked it up. You picked it up, but I first took possession of it back in 2005 when some churches were closing and they had a lot of extra stuff sitting around uh-huh. available and we were brand new. So they gave me carte blanche to pick up what we would need in our new church. We got a lot of hand-me-downs, but that was a lifesaver for us because oh, yes. we, we uh, had nothing. We had servers robes. We had the sacramentaries and the missiles and the lectionaries and the gospel book. The tabernacle itself. The tabernacle itself, the uh, candlesticks and the big crucifix that hung in Ron Kelly Hall that's now in the weekday chapel. Yeah. Not to mention the altar that was uh, altar in Amble. Yeah, that whole set. They're on the weekday chapel. So all of that was given to us by other parishes. So some of you may be wondering why on earth on a Tuesday are we cramming liturgical furniture into Father's car? Well, I've been asking you, why why were we doing this on Tuesday? <laughs> we we always do a house cleanup on J- July 30th, we're right? Doing, we're doing a little fall cleaning, and uh, the storage room down in the Parish Life Center has accumulated some stuff, especially after the move into the church from last fall. So we're just tidying up, getting ready for the new school year, and uh, that was one of the things we wanted to do. And I think for some of the new staff members, it was a day of exploration and discovery. <laughs> yeah, to see what's down there. <laughs> we we have things. We found some creatures, I think, living in there, too. Oh. I'm just kidding. And not, not staff members. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we found some old staff members. We were wondering where they've been. <laughs> anyway, it's good to talk with everybody. This is our 23 podcast number... One, one, one. How beautiful. Yeah, that's not biblical. No, but it's a great number. Yeah. One, one, one. Yeah. I uh, I called somebody today uh, that I'm trying to get to help out at the parish a little bit. And in their phone number, there were three sixes in a row. And I was like, I don't know if I should call six, this person. Six, six, six. That's a Rossford exchange. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the exchange. It was it was in the middle of the phone number. Oh, okay. But I, as I was dialing it, it felt. I was like, I don't know if I should call him. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Uh, We are also looking at the readings. Did you know that? We're looking at the readings for the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time, also known as August 4th, 2019. August. Here it is. Oh, and we have to say, we have to say. We have to say. This weekend, on August 3rd. Oh, yes. uh, Our friend and colleague, Hillary. Hillary. Is getting married to Zach. And Hillary joined the staff a month ago. And now she's getting married. It's been a kind of a monumental well, she summer. She was already engaged. The date was already planned before I <laughs> <It> hired her. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but we are praying, 
uh, for Hillary and Zach and for their wedding mass. But you know, she's not the first member of our staff to get married. No, I also got married as a staff member. I did actually, actually, this is embarrassing. As I speaking of tidying up, I was going through the website the other day and on the sacraments page for marriage, guess whose wedding picture, your wedding picture it was still there. You can't really tell us us cause it's our backs. I, that's why I chose it. I thought it was okay, but it, I didn't realize it was still there. So I updated it. Now we've got all these beautiful wedding photos in the new church. So I updated it. Okay. Well, you're, you have a, a beautiful wife. I did. It wasn't, oh, now you're going to get me in trouble. It had nothing to do with my wife. It, it was still in the parish life center. It just wasn't quite as beautiful as some of the shots we have in the new church. Okay. I, we better quit right there. Let's, let's talk about gospel of Luke. And we are up to chapter 12. Uh, I will have, I'm going to give a context for this reading, but I think I'll do it after we read the reading. Okay. So let's take it as is, and it's not that long, so I, I will let you read the entire thing because I get to read it on Sunday Mass. <laughs> I think you said that last week. All right, Luke chapter 12, uh, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? And then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, Now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. Now, here we are in the middle of summer, and people are on vacation. I wonder how many people say to themselves, rest, eat, drink, and be merry. Sure. That's almost like the epitome of taking vacation. a week at the beach. Yeah. You're supposed to rest, eat, drink lemonade, iced tea. <laughs> Water. And be merry. Right. Let's look at the, first of all, the setting. What's the, what's the original statement here? Not the question. The question, the first person says, Master, tell my brother to share the inheritance. And it's really tempting to go off thinking about how many families I have known that become divided after the parents die because they fight over the inheritance. Right. It's really sad. People hold grudges forever. Yeah. And they always blame the other person that it was, and they use the word, it was not fair. Hmm. Or that the other person took advantage or something along that line. But if you talk to the other person, they'll probably say the same thing about the first person. Sure. So, okay, that's going on. But Jesus turns it into a teaching. And he says, take care to guard against all greed. And that is your statement. So everything else that flows from this is about greed. That's the thesis statement. That's the thesis statement. If you're, boy, yeah, you're more recently in college than I am. Okay, but. Uh, <laughs> By quite a bit. So, well, thank you. Yeah. So, that's your thesis statement. Yes. How would you, I like, to, you always put me on the spot. So Here gonna, we go. How do you define greed? 
Oh, uh, how do I define greed? That no, that's what I said. How do you define greed? Uh, off the top of my head, I would say it's a preoccupation and obsession with money or possessions. That's not bad. I didn't. That really was off the top of my head. I, I'm I'm pretty impressed. Oh, good. Now, how well do you do when you actually think something through? <laughs> we, nobody knows. <laughs> you expect me to think something through? Okay, so preoccupation or an obsession. obsession with money or possessions. And once you say preoccupation or obsession, I take it to the next level where it controls you. Yeah. Greed. An addiction of sorts. It is like an addiction. Greed is prevalent today, these days. Uh, it's for stuff. It's for bigger stuff, better stuff, mm-hmm. more stuff. It's for money and bigger money and more money. It's for things that we think we either have to have or that we will need sometime in the future. Now, here's the irony of the whole thing. We are told by responsible people, plan your future, plan your retirement. Sure. How many commercials are out there that say, are you ready for your retirement? Or they even uh, say, have six to eight months of income saved. Yes. You know. uh, how many people, I've had people tell me, especially since 2008, the Great Recession and the f- subsequent years where people said, I have to keep on working. I, I cannot retire. I don't have anything to live on. And I had one person who had planned ahead pretty well. And when she and her husband retired, and they did have a place to live, and they had a steady income, but they also liked to travel. And she said to me, you know, we have figured it out with our financial advisor that we can take one trip a year, a significant trip. We can take one trip a year. Mm -hmm. And then she stopped and she said, providing we don't live too long. Really interesting. So it was sort of like, are we going to outlive our savings? So we are being told that all the time. Yeah. And then when we read a scripture passage, when Jesus tells a story and he says, well, this guy has everything stored up for the future. Sure. And I would say most people, if they had not read this story before, yeah. when they hear the guy has this bountiful harvest, they would say, good for him, uh, store it, because maybe next year it's going to rain every third day and you're not even going to get the crop in the field. 2019. By the way, I don't know if you remember, last fall, 2018, yeah. was a, a bumper crop. And I did talk, I remember talking to one farmer down in Van Wert County, and he said it was the best crop that he had, best yield he had ever had. Wow. It was one of his best years ever as a farmer. He also said, because there were there was so much, and so many farmers did so well, the price had gone down. Because there's not as much demand for it. Right, because everybody had a lot of uh, grain to sell. Mm -hmm. So I said, what'd you do? And he said, I had the advantage, I could store it. Mm. So this summer I did a little follow-up when when it was raining so much, and I said, you told me you stored it. And he said, oh yeah, and I'm starting to sell off some of it right now. Probably for a pretty good price too. Well, the price was better, but also because... He's not going to have as much yield this year. Sure. So you don't look at one year alone. You look at several years together. Right. Nonetheless, this is a really tough year right now. But last year was a good year. So 
yes, we do have to save. So what in the world is Jesus talking about? Is, is he saying there's something wrong with saving or planning into the future or retirement? And you're supposed to say, of course he's not saying that. Of course he's not saying that. Then what is he saying? That's your job. You're the priest. Okay. What he is saying is, back to the thesis statement, be on guard against all greed. Greed is when not only you're obsessed with the stuff, not when it, but it also controls your life. It runs you. You don't decide. It decides for you. And that's the way stuff is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I use the word stuff, of course, I mean... It's very descriptive of you. Well, it, yeah. could, be, it could be money. It could be stocks and bonds. It could be uh, land. It could be acquisitions. It could be that that sports car that you could not afford as a teenager or even as a young adult, so you buy it when you're around 60. Sure. Have you ever noticed how many times you see uh, sports cars in any parking lot? Look to see who the driver is who gets out. A 60-year-old male. Yeah, and I'm not putting down 60-year-old <laughs> males, but yes, a lot of see times. a lot of them sure. lots of times. Sure. You know, I think this is this is one of those readings that, probably challenges people so it's easier just to dismiss it than really take it at its core uh and i it's also because it it makes you really reflect am am i living you know so jesus says turn the other cheek jesus said blessed are the merciful you know i think everybody can buy into all of that but then when he starts talking about finances then we're like well hold up here what are you really trying to say jesus and so this is one of those that i think it does take some serious self-reflection to make sure that we're living in line with what Jesus is calling us. Well, you're right about the uh, finances. When it touches finances, we want to say, hey, what does that have to do with my life? Sure. You know, because we still separate faith life from day-to-day lived life. Yeah. You know, that's Sunday. Monday, I'm back to work. Sure. However, I do disagree with you on the other thing. When you said we can have buy-in to turning the other cheek, a lot of people can't deal with that one either. Well, I was Je- just using Je- that as Jesus an example. Jesus was being pretty radical. Yeah. And that at the very beginning, I said, I want to give the context for this reading. Did you do that yet? Nope. That's what I'm about to do. Well, no wonder it hasn't made any sense yet. Okay. The context in Luke's gospel, Jesus is over and over and over again telling people the ramifications, the qualifications, the expectations of discipleship. He Mm. says, unless you love me more than father and mother, or, you know, leave your home, follow me. All of these things. It's it's total, complete. And now he's even saying it about personal finances, personal acquisitions. He's basically not judging people who have possessions, but he's judging people who let the possessions possess them. Mm-hmm. And that's where greed is. So I think the person who, ha- who has material things really, really has a challenge. How can you have it and let it not get caught in your mind as the source of your happiness? You know, what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. The fact that you you really have a very good uh, pension, that you really have uh, property that you can count on? Uh, is that what makes you happy or what's the source of happiness? So the question of greed and happiness go hand in hand. Because greed thinks it's going to provide happiness. But you see, I mean, you see time and again, and you hear from celebrity that even when you have millions, if not billions of dollars, 
that doesn't make you happy. There's a lot of very wealthy people that still feel very lonely and isolated and are battling their own demons. Oh, totally. And, but at the same time, I think most people would think, I'd like to try it. <laughs> <laughs> what did I, I heard on, on the radio? Where was, oh, I was, I was pulling into Mass at St. Clair Commons yesterday morning, and it was just a discussion on the radio, so I just caught just a, a snippet of it because I was just driving across the parking lot. Um, but it was talking about a teenager, you know, the video game Fortnite. Yeah, okay, so I, I've never played it, but I know what it is. So there's a, a big, uh, it's a popular video game called Fortnite, and there was a tournament over the weekend, and some teenager, I forget where, won like two or three million dollars playing this video game. Yeah. And I thought, what does a 15 or 16 year old even begin to do with two or $3 million? Like that's, that will change his life and maybe the trajectory of his life for a long time, positively or negatively. Um, because I think with money comes responsibility and maybe in some ways that's what Jesus is getting to in this is it's not just storing it up, but what are we doing with the money that we have besides just saving okay, it? That's the other side of it. Oh, were you getting there? No, oh. but you, you brought it up very well. It's not only not to rely on it for happiness, but also to figure out what it's for. Yeah. It's, it's there to uh, be used in some positive way. Of course, you remember. You remember the, the wonderful line from Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Which is really a musical version from The Matchmaker. I think that's Thornton Wilder, uh, Wild. Okay. Uh, anyway, the uh, the line is when she's talking to the guy who has a lot of money, she says, you know, money is is like uh, manure. It has to be spread around. <laughs> that's Money doesn't stink quite as bad as manure, though. Oh, it can. It can. <laughs> it can, yes. You know, I think the, the generosity, though, of, you know, how are we giving to the poor? How are we giving to... Uh, the church. I think about you know the incredible feat that this community did by building a church building, uh, and of course people are are um, even you know critical now of the the tons of money that it's going to be poured in to rebuild uh, Notre Dame in, in Paris versus you know feeding the homeless and all those types of things. So I think we have to be responsible with what we do. Uh, but I also think back to uh, the gospel story, and I'm not going to articulate it super well, but the woman that, you know, gave two coins and that was basically all she had. And, you know, Jesus said she gave more than any of you did here today because she gave from, you know, not from her surplus, but from just what she was living on. I'm paraphrasing. You paraphrase pretty well. You got the notion of it that it is, it's like, it doesn't really belong to us. Stop and think about that. The possessions we have, are not really ours in a sense they're on loan yeah we're not everybody knows you're not going to take it with you sure now some people think well, no I'm not going to take it with you with me but I'm going to pass it on to my sons and daughters well wait a minute that's where this gospel passage begins it causes fights yeah uh, it, it but it's it's not it's not ours it, we have some accountability for it. Now, some people might say, well, I worked hard for my the money I have. And the answer is, yes, you may. But even the ability to work hard yeah. is itself a gift. Do you, before we run out of time, want to tie this into the Ecclesiastes reading at all? Because uh, it's a, fun, it's a I, fun one to start. I, I love it, but I think we have to define terms. I'm going to read the opening line. 
Vanity of vanities, says Koheleth. Vanity of vanities. All things are vanity. Reminds me of Moulin Rouge. Isn't that in Moulin Rouge? I did not see Moulin Rouge. Oh, I think it was. Something they're, they're making a Broadway version out of it right now. Are they? Yeah, from the movie. Uh, Here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and yet to another who has not labored over it. He must leave property. This also is vanity and a great misfortune. The next line's the key line. For what profit comes to a man from all his toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days, sorrow and grief are his occupation, even at night. This also is vanity. So it's basically saying vanity. Now, I think we take the term vanity in a whole different sense in the 21st century. Being vain. Yeah, you're so vain. Yeah, I bet you think think this song song is is about about you. you. Uh, You're so vain, but that's not the way this is meant. Vanity here is, it's throwaway. It's, it's useless. It's uh, over the top. Excess. Excess, but not the core. It's like when I was a kid, I used to love to have a big piece of cake because I love the icing. Now I still like cake, but without the icing. So I've learned it's the cake is more important than the icing. Vanity is when you just get caught up on, on the the external, the what appears to grab your attention rather than the real substance. So here's here's the bottom line, or I'm, I guess I'm asking what what's the bottom line for this week? Because again, it will be very easy to read this, reflect on it, hear it at church, and then not let it change you at all. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wrong things to take. The one is simply that, well, I better give everything away to the poor, which by the way, could be the right call from God. But I think the correct thing is that somehow we do have to look at what we have and know that we are humble servants. And in discipleship, we have to use what we have in service of the Lord. All right, friends, we hope that you're having a great week. We're excited for August. People are are coming back from vacations. School is starting soon. I said it. It's happening. And August is here. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful rest of your week.